welcome to Everybody A, Everybody Gay. A queer exploration of Pretty Little Liars. With your hosts, Speak Pirate, a.k.a. Joanna. I'm here, I'm queer, and I have a cat named Spencer. And your other host, LCO123, a.k.a. Vina, a proud member of the Church of Vander Jesus. And what a Vander Jesus episode it is tonight. It certainly is. We are here at Farewell, My Lovely, the second to last episode of Pretty Little Liars, original run, ever. Whew. I Ooh. I remember actually liking parts of this episode when I watched it originally and feeling like if the show had ended here, I might have been happier with it as a mm-hmm. conclusion. Um, so I was interested to see if like rewatching bears that out. Um, no, no spoilers for whether it does or not, but I will say that in this episode, Aria has, I don't know if she's done a round of speed therapy or maybe listened to like one episode of Glennon Doyle's podcast and found it just transformative. Um, <laughs> but, but Aria has really like had a lot of like very sudden and uh, extreme personal growth. Uh, she is, she is really talking like someone who has like, uh been immersed in the self-help world um you know for the last i guess day uh of her life while she was on the outs from the liars um we find out who killed charlotte mary takes a metaphorical bullet for the liars and more importantly for spencer and the show tries to throw as much blame as it possibly can on allison oh and don't forget charlotte yeah yeah Yeah. oh yeah yeah i mean the Charlotte stuff is dreadful, and we get like one, one last big old miss, you know, dead naming and misgendering via gravestone. So yeah, uh, yeah, show is is just you know going out like like it came in with this time jump situation. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like aspects of this episode read a little bit like the show is going for a victory lap, but as actually more like the cleaning crew cl- uh, cleaning up empty bottles after the race. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's a little bit of that. Um, there's a lot of loose ends that are attempting to be uh, buttoned up here. Uh, but I also think that there were some scenes, particularly towards the latter half of the episode, that I actually thought really landed and I wish had been expanded into more of what the post-jump world was. And I actually think that there are some ideas in this whole episode that could have been teased out over a longer period of time and would have made this last like season and a half a lot stronger. I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah, there's, there are more sort of thesis statements about characters and situations here than... There have been, and then what you would sort of expect for a series in its final season, because often for a long-running season, the final season is a lot about, for a long-running series, I should say, the final season is a lot about sort of what is the point of these characters? I mean, that's all season seven of Buffy is essentially, right? Is it's like, who are these characters? What does it mean to be this person? How do we move forward? I think the last season of Friday Night Lights feels that way a lot too. Um, and And PLL just has sort of, not really gone in there in a way that was very interesting at all so yeah yeah well because like a lot of that is about like how have these characters changed and how these characters stayed the same and unlike shows like Buffy and unlike shows like Friday Night Lights PLL has like really resisted a lot of character growth like it has really tried 
to tie these characters to their trauma, to their hometown, to the same relationships that they've always been in. And I think that that has really like, um, that that has really like hampered and hindered the, the growth that you might otherwise see. Like on a show, like if you look at the character arcs on a show like Mad Men, for example, mm -hmm. or on a show like you were just saying, Friday Night Lights, it's, it's very, yeah. very different. Well, I also think it's interesting because I feel like during the pre-time jump show, like Hannah was a character whose arc changed a lot. Emily was a character whose arc changed somewhat. And I had the thought in this episode that like Spencer, Allie, and Aria all seem like they've changed and grown. Not so much with Emily and Hannah at this point, at least. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, should we dive right in? I think we should. All right, so we begin, there are a lot of scenes of, like, Tanner being suspicious and doing cop things. And uh, in this scene, we have Tanner uh, on the phone trying to finalize arrest warrants for the liars. Uh, there's a kind of cool shot where she looks over her desk where she has all the old school liar mug shots spread out. Um, it was kind of a funny moment of like remembering like, oh, yeah, that was when they thought that, you know, they killed Mona. I also particularly like Emily's frightened eyebrow in her <laughs> mug shot. Agree. Agree. Um, we cut over to Aria, who last we saw her had discovered a body in her trunk and then almost instantaneously dropped her keys in there and slammed the trunk shut just as a Rosewood police cruiser pulled up behind her. Oh, dear. However, is Aria, that's so Aria, going to get out of this one. Uh, the cop, however, is Mr. Helpful. He wants to assist her in getting the trunk open, something Aria super duper does not want. Uh, he does it and, like, fortunately gets distracted by a radio call just in time for Aria to grab the keys off the body and close the trunk again. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's a good little kind of action-y sequence. Do we think that the cop was suspicious of Arya because she's acting super suspicious? Uh, yeah, I would also assume that maybe he was under orders to be tailing. Like, I assume we, later we hear about a police car that's just, like, driving around sure. Allison and Emily's house. So it seems like maybe, um, maybe all of the liars were under surveillance. And then they were like, oh, this one, like, broke down outside of town. What's going on there? <laughs> What's in that trunk? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, essentially, this whole episode, Tanner has, like, deputized the Rosewood PD to find the, this body no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. um, so Allie gets the shush this week. And then we have a pretty infuriating scene where Caleb and the other liars are trying to convince Hannah that Mona is A.D. Uh, Caleb, unsurprisingly, is very eager to confront Mona. Uh, he doesn't want Hannah to do it alone. Spencer, who is going to be uncharacteristically gracious with Mona in this episode, suggests that maybe they can get Mona to talk to Tanner, which, okay. Uh, she also spots another wine bottle by the door. Uh, Prezra gets off the phone. He's very upset. He is trying to get in touch with Aria because for some reason he's allowed to be part of the group meetings and she isn't. Uh, he gives this whole speech about how they've all made mistakes and what gives them the edge over AD is their ability to forgive. And can I continue with this scene till we get outside because I had I have some rage screaming to do about it. I would. I, yes. <laughs> yes. So Prezra storms out of out of the house. He's followed by Caleb. And what are his first words to Caleb? 
I didn't mean to include you in all of that. Because apparently the little ladies have to be preached to about their terribleness, but the big strong men are all perfect and so forgiving, despite the fact that Caleb is, you know, practically having an orgasm at the idea that he might be able to finally get Mona for good. I hate these men so much. I don't know why they're part of this whole mystery plot. I just, like, to me, this, like, the downfall of this episode and you know often the downfall of the series is when it becomes too much about the guys and too much and the guys have too much agency because I think when PLL is at its most interesting is when it's giving these young women who historically have not had a lot of agency kind of letting them be clever and come up with plans and try to get one over on a and it that's just completely lost when you have a bunch of big strong terrible dudes jumping in to save the day uh, and lecturing them in the process So anyway, the bros are looking for Toby because they have to be a party of three, I guess. Prezra is off to look for Arya. And in a way that sounds a little bit suspicious, Caleb asks if Arya has an extra set of car keys. Yeah, I totally agree with everything that you said. Also, uh, I just love the way that Prezra, by love, I mean loathe and detest, uh, uses weasel words. Everyone here has made mistakes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Everyone here has made mistakes. Uh, Arya betrayed them all to get him out of potential trouble. Like, yes. that is like a specific action. She trashed Emily and Allison's nursery. Yep. She planted a recording that caused chaos in the Hastings home. Like, she did actual things. And by saying, we've all made mistakes, that classes like that classes everything that Prezra has ever done, which was like lying to them all, spying on them, getting involved with Arya deliberately when he knew that she was underage. That all goes under the category of made mistakes. Hey, we've all made mistakes, you know, like you might have accidentally left food out on the counter for more than two hours. That's a mistake. Everyone makes them like, the the way that he is doing that just absolutely drives me like up the wall. One thousand percent. Yeah. So and he's the master of that, by the way. He's the master yeah. of like, well, it's all just the same, you know, yeah. we're all God's children here. Like yeah. oh my god, yeah. false equivalencies all the day long. Like He's not even, he's not even like saying the things that Arya did. It's unknown if he even knows all the things that Arya did, but he believes that forgiveness should be instantaneous on demand uh, whenever he says so. And that is like basically what he wants to demand of the liars here. I hate him yelling at the liars. I think that's awful. And also I, I feel like um, one of the downfalls of this episode, in addition to the fact that like it would have been far better if like, AD had just like hit Caleb and Prezra over the head with like a frying pan or something yep, in a cold open. Yep. And then they could have just been like, I don't know, tied up in the woods or something for the remainder of sure. the episode. I feel like that would have been um that would have been preferable. But I I feel like uh the downfall is that because we're coming up on the end and they have all these loose ends that they want to tie up. All all season long, I've been talking about how no clues, just vibes, like no actual, you know, no actual, like one thing connecting to another, just vibes. 
But in this episode, more than other recent ones, there's a lot of like talk that just makes no sense at all. Like we'll have we'll have Mona talk to the cops and explain how she was manipulating us. Well, that didn't have anything to do with what happened to Dunhill. Like they were in the woods because he was going to murder Allison. AD had nothing to do with that. Like yeah. even if Mona were AD, that is not like in any way exculpatory. Yeah. So that was, I, I felt like that was just like nonsense. And we'll get, I feel like we'll get like a return to like various, um, like various nonsense elements as we move through the episode. Yeah, like, I mean, when Dr. Tanner gets brought up and it's like, Dr. Dr. Sullivan, not Dr. Tanner, (laughs) Dr. Sullivan gets brought up and it's like, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah. So Ari is driving around trying to think and she is doing like an absolutely like Shakespearean soliloquy for the body in the trunk. This is like... Alas, poor Yorick, only it is like, alas, poor Archer, the body she is driving around. Um, She tells Archer's body its first mistake was making all that noise. Otherwise, she would have driven right to Spencer's and the cops would have gotten an anonymous tip. That was Aidy's plan. She's sure of it. She says Archer is dead. Now he knows everything. So who is Ad? She then blasts the dead body for being no help and says she should have just let the cops find him. Maybe she still can. She can go to the cops and say that she killed him. She decides that she can fix this. Yes, she can. The body thumps, and she smiles and says she's glad it agrees. Now that I'm recapping this particular scene, maybe this, maybe the rest of Arya's drive is when she gets all the therapy from, like, fake psychiatrist, <laughs> dead body, Archer. Maybe he's the one who's really going to help her make the leaps in personal growth that we are going to see throughout the rest of the episode. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I I really thought that this was so fun. And this is one of those things where, like, in my memory, this is the whole episode because <laughs> of how much fun this is. Um, I wish that, like, it had been a whole episode. I wish we'd just gotten a whole episode of Arya talking to a dead body. Once again, Lucy doing the most and being the best. Kills it. Kills yeah. it. Yeah, Lucy and Janelle really own this episode, I feel. Um, speaking of which, Mona arrives back at her apartment that might be Prezra's old apartment in a black hoodie. Uh, She goes to open up the game, but she hears some clattering and then the sound of a cat. And under the game, or under the, like, big cover of the game is not the game, but actually a note. Time for Pi, be there. It appears to be stationary from the Two Crows Diner. Um, Yeah, this, this was, this was, I guess this is Alex. I would have loved if this was revealed to be Allie, especially because on The Perfectionist, you know, Allie brings her pie and all yes. of that. Um, yes. But yeah, I guess I guess that this is supposed to be Alex. I don't know. I mean, who who can say? Um, yeah, I love the idea that the Two Crows has stationary. Yes. Oh, I do too. This For like the type of establishment there. that it is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which, yeah, they couldn't have we're, we're, the two crows. We are later going to see that it has an absolutely generic, like, restaurant supply store check pad that the checks come on. So the fact yes. that it has stationery in case you, like, might want to write a letter to your loved one about how nice the two crows is, uh, is very special. 
Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> um, yeah, so Haleb are heading to Mona's apartment, talking about their unsatisfactory wedding night. Mona emerges from her place in a queer look brown trench. Hannah and Caleb conceal themselves in a stairwell and then opt to follow because Hannah wants to spend her wedding night learning where Mona is going. Yeah, there's definitely a vibe in this episode. Obviously, this like there's stuff going on, but there's sort of this vibe in this episode of like, Caleb will do anything to not be alone together. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This marriage already is so awful. <laughs> and it will get more awful before the episode is over. Uh, so somehow in the chaos of this night, Spencer is finding the time to meet Mary Drake at the Lost Woods. Mary says that she has a going away gift. Uh, and there's this kind of sweet moment where Mary comments on the fact that Spencer is smiling in a way that makes it clear that she's never seen Spencer smile before. And Spencer replies that she didn't think to get Mary anything. Mary says that the gift is for her and Allison. It is the Lost Woods. She's put it in their name because they'll need money for lawyers, all of them. Um, I'm not exactly sure how much Spencer could get for this rundown hotel or, you know, whether she'd be wanting to deal with, like, selling property at this rather stressful moment in her life. But I guess it's the thought that counts. Uh, Mary says that she wishes there was something she could do, something that could change everything for them. And Spencer replies that no one can do that. Mary hopes that this will help. She wishes Spencer goodbye. And Spencer takes her hand, telling her to be careful. Um, I think that this scene is really very effective. I think that, you know, we have two good actors uh, doing a good job. I also think that... You know, we've talked about how, and even later in this episode, like, there's some dialogue that's just, like, so thuddingly obvious because there's not even, we're not even really writing with emotion anymore. It's just, like, writing to get to the next reveal or plot point. And I think that this is a, a circumstance in a relationship where there's a lot left unsaid that the viewer can actually feel. Like, the pain between these two is palpable. And, um, yeah, I just, I thought, I think that the Mary Spencer moments are some of the better moments of this episode. I completely agree. And I think that that's thanks to Tryon and, um, and also to, uh, Andrew, Andrew Parker. Andrew Parker. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, for sure. They've got a good dynamic. They're doing a fantastic job here. And like when Spencer holds her hand briefly, like they, they really do convey that there is like emotional content that is like not you know, that is unstated, but is there, um, which I think is really important because the writing is a bit weak. So, so really yeah. imbuing it with, with that sense of emotion uh, is, is pretty important. Um, shout out to Spencer's queer look. That is a blazer that looks like a pinstriped bedsheet. Very J crew lesbian. Very, very much so. I also think, you know, as much as we've talked about like, oh, this whole time period has been about heaping misery on Spencer and we don't want this for Spencer and all of that. I actually think that the Mary Drake storyline, not really the way that it's done, but the, the idea of it is a good one for Spencer because I, I think we can actually see a change in this character since she found out this information. I think we're seeing somebody who isn't as quick to judge, who has um, a little bit more of an open heart, who is a little bit more willing to hear people out. And I, I actually think that it's provided some interesting growth. So I... I in that way, I'm sort of in favor of it. Remember when Melissa marries Ian and there's that moment when she tries to tell Spencer, like, getting married has made Melissa feel like 
all of the stuff that used to matter in terms of like the Hastings family dynamics, it it doesn't impact sure. her as much. Like now that she is like starting a family of her own, I feel like that is kind of the lesson that Spencer is learning. Yeah, the relationship with Mary. Like I feel like like Spencer is really having to like like think about what it would be like to have a different type of family, a different type yeah. of parent than like the home that Peter and Veronica have kind of brought her up in. And I do think that's great. I love when Mary says she owes her so much more. She owes her a whole life. I think that's actually yeah. a really good line and it kind of echoes back later. Um, and I also think it's, this is just really very meaningful because the Hastings parents never consult Spencer about their attempts to help. And yeah. like, I, I agree with you, like how much is it going to help or not help Spencer to get real estate from a wanted fugitive like how much of this is going to be like just a nightmare of trying to deal with everything, but also like the gift that this does maybe provide for Spencer and for Allison is that it gives them like, it gives them a source of funding for their defense or for their bail that is not dependent on the Hastings. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think later in this episode, Mary is able to prove that, like, this is not an empty gesture. Like, she really mm -hmm. does want to help Spencer. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely agree. Um, at the De Laurentiis house, Allison is under a blanket drinking tea while Emily plays a game of counting how many times police cars have driven past the house. Allison is worried that if they do go to jail, the baby will be taken away and will grow up in foster homes and institutions like Charlotte did. Instead of making a practical plan, maybe looping in Pam Fields, Ashley Marin, Mary Drake, for instance, Emily refuses to consider this and simply promises she will not let anyone hurt Allison. Um, wow, I really feel like Allison is making a very reasonable request. Emily, you like press for us to have these babies. We now might go to jail. What, what shall be done with <laughs> this, like, urchin if we are in jail? Uh, and Emily is just, like, not even, like, not even considering anything, uh, which, again, a, a wild, wild choice. Well, a wild choice and also one that I think, you know, you could easily read into, like, Emily isn't really planning on sticking around. Like it doesn't really matter to her either way because she won't be here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That is a hundred percent the case. Meanwhile, as Emily is promising uh, to Allison that she's, you know, nothing is going to hurt you. I won't let it. Uh, meanwhile, Oh, look, the gas line is leaking. God, it's so dumb. I had forgotten. <laughs> I had sort of blocked this from my mind. And then I was like, oh, it's here. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is one of the things, like, when we talk about, like, at the end, we'll talk about, like, would this ending have been better uh, than the Alex Drake ending? Like, I feel like it is very, very much an open question of, like, would it have just been better to just forget about that he's here scene than to shoehorn it in yes. and have it be a gas line dream. I feel like making it a gas line dream is actually like, I don't know, like 
that's like almost more insulting. Like that's like yeah. that's like when you work like when you work really hard doing a project and and it's like, you know, maybe you're not getting paid and then somebody's like, "Oh, I totally want to pay you for that. I'll give you like $10." And it's just like Sure. I would have rather gotten nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like I did all that work and the value that you put on it is 10 bucks. Like I, I feel like that is, is sort of my feeling about what, what's coming with this Gaslight Dream situation. Yeah, there's a bit on Community where I think it was season four of that show when the original creator had been fired. And so, like, the writing wasn't that great. And then he comes back in the next season. And the joke that everybody makes about the last year is, oh, that was the gas leak year. You know, <laughs> anytime somebody, anytime, like, somebody references something from that plot, it'll be like, oh, don't worry about it. That was the gas leak year. And I feel like it's... <laughs> Is, could we just say that everything post-time jump, like, those are the gaslight years? <laughs> I feel like we could. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So, uh, Arya is slowly walking toward the police station when Prezra all but tackles her against a tree, uh, casually announcing that he and Caleb have been doing some, you know, light stalking to find out where she was. I also just, I do find it funny every time somebody can't find somebody else in Rosewood just because it's such a small town. Uh, but anyway, Arya says that she wants to turn herself in for the murder. And he has this like weird reply to her that makes it sound like he set the whole thing up where he's like, but like, you're not implicated and it's fine. And your friends are awful. And like, we should just run away together. It's fine, Arya. I killed your friends. I mean, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, and she's like, well, there's just one slight hiccup to that plan. I kind of have a dead body in my trunk. Sorry. <laughs> Love that. Love that for them. Yes. Um, outside the two crows, Caleb are watching Mona, uh, who is sitting by herself and looking very nervous. Spencer rolls up just in time to officiate the Halib argument about whether to bust in there or not. Hannah argues that Mona may not be AD, and hey, maybe she took the game to stop the police from finding it. Caleb cannot accept that, and Hannah points out because he doesn't want to. Um, I mean, no surprise, but in this argument, I am 1000% on team Hannah. Everything she is mm. saying is right and true. Uh, Spencer jokes about them arguing like they're married, uh, and then Hannah pulls her aside, maybe to, like, tell her that they are, in fact, married, maybe just to, like, get away from Caleb for a second. Um, Spencer tells her about Mary giving her the motel, but before Hannah can say much more, we see that motherfucking Caleb has gone against Hannah's express wishes, demonstrating how little he respects her or her point of view. Uh, and he has gone inside, even though Hannah did not want him to and wanted to wait and see who might be meeting up with Mona. He goes in and sits down across from Mona because he is the worst. <laughs> yeah, this is an infuriating scene. It's so funny to me that Spencer has to be like, you guys are bickering. Like a married couple. He gets so dumb. Yeah. No, they've been married in their hearts all time jump. Yes, I guess so. All they do. Also, wouldn't this have been a great moment if the Spencer that shows up here was actually Alex come to meet Mona and like saw Hannah and Caleb there and like super quickly had to like shift into Alex as Spencer mode? 
because that would be amazing. It's like really kind of dumb that Spencer's here because she's just rehashing what we saw in the last scene. But that would be kind of intriguing if like she's just acting kind of weird and you're like, <laughs> are you acting weird, Spencer? <laughs> uh, so inside, Caleb asks Mona if she likes her pie. And I hate when Caleb gets all smug like this. Uh, she doesn't seem quite Mona confident. She's a little twitchy. He takes a bite of her pie and asks who she's meeting. Then he suggests that they go for a ride. Uh, perfect line delivery when Janelle says, I don't think I want to go anywhere with you. He replies that they are going to the police, but first they're going to pick up the game. She says that somebody stole it from her. Somebody is always stealing the game for, from her. She's definitely not uh, all well here. She's kind of shaky. She keeps wiping at her fingertips. She seems really twitchy. Uh, she says that she warned Hannah they are out of their league. Someone is watching and manipulating. Uh, she gets up to leave, and Caleb tries to usher her toward the door, but then in walks Hannah. There's a quick kerfuffle, and Mona darts out to the ladies' room. Uh, Hannah, Spencer, and Caleb follow her and discover a note that she got that says, leave now. Uh, suddenly, they find a hidden tunnel <laughs> in, like, the wall of the ladies' room of the two crows, because that makes sense. Um, and they very quickly surmise that they're like, oh, this is how she got away the night of Charlotte's murder. Don't ask questions. It's fine. Uh, the hidden doorway leads down to this, like, underground tunnel area. Caleb declares that Hannah can't go down any more holes. Uh, there's a joke in there somewhere that I'm not making. Uh, so Spalab will cover the tunnels together and Hannah will meet up with them. Uh, now, quick side note, this whole like tunnels underneath the city thing. Apparently, this was an idea that was like talked about in the writer's room a lot. And they had this idea that like maybe this had been built during Prohibition. And like some of the writers were really on board with this. Some of them weren't. I think it's a cool idea. I think it's an idea that you can't have half of your writer's room in on and the other half not in on because it's like kind of a major story beat that they've just dropped in occasionally. And it's always weird, like the whole thing uh, at the Radley where there was like that tunnel and then it just like you come out the other side and you're just like behind this giant hotel. Like it was so kind of nonsensical. And yeah, I definitely agree. They They should have just had there be tunnels linking everything in the town because there's not any logic to the way that the tunnels work or don't work. No. Um, similarly, I don't think we see, uh, we don't see Caleb and Spencer ever emerge from this tunnel. It's just all of a sudden Hannah is at the church and then they are too. Like, yes. so we, we, they have this tunnel, the writers themselves, I don't even think know where this tunnel goes or connects to or anything. Uh, also, what do you make of the fact that Spencer is a competent adult capable of going down into this tunnel with Caleb, but Hannah isn't. Oh my God. We're going to have a lot to say about Spencer and Caleb and the affair that they're going to have in, oh, I don't <laughs> know, like three months time. Well, like, why can't Hannah go into the tunnel with them? Like, yeah. Hannah is just, Hannah is just too, too blonde and too much of a fashionista to explore yep. a tunnel ever at all. End of story. Yeah. Her husband has spoken. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She is his little lady, and she is not permitted down any tunnels. Wild. Just wild. Yeah. So, at the police station, Tanner is about to make love to the liar arrest warrants, which are now signed and on her desk. Get the watch, Commander, she barks. 
And this is another point where we are supposed to just vibe bounce right over the fact that there is an arrest warrant for Arya, despite the previous info about her being photographed in an entirely different state and therefore being cleared. Like, Arya is, like, Arya's plot this whole half season, it's been like, well, the Presra relationship is so foreboding and, like, scandalous that if this police report were to be turned in, he would definitely be sent to prison. But also, the whole town knows that you're together and you're getting married. Like, both of those exist in the same space. Here, yeah. we have Arya has been cleared of the murder, but now is also about to be arrested for it. Yeah, it's... It, it... Arya is just like Schrodinger's cat, I guess, in terms of like yeah. things can be true and not true about her all the time. Also, it is truly amazing that the Rosewood PD is all hang them high for this Rollins situation, but is still apparently accepting at face value the whole Noel beheads himself while in the old school for the blind with the liars business. Very impressive. It's also really weird that the police are still so focused on the raw and and not like there's a way that they could do this that could be like commentary on the cases that police choose to take seriously but like that's clearly not what's <laughs> happening here um but they could do like it's so weird how they're so focused on the Rollins murder here and like in this episode the Rollins like a different murder case that they hadn't bothered to finish solving is what actually gets closed like it's just it's such like weird writing that like now Charlotte's murder is being solved. Well, and, like, they believed that Noel killed Sarah based on, like, Jenna's say-so. Based guess. on vibes. Like, yeah, yeah, based on vibes. So I don't know why no one has suggested, well, what if Noel killed any of these other people in town who are also mysteriously dead? It's also, like, when Mary Drake later confesses to the crime, spoiler alert, it's like, yes, it makes sense that Mary Drake would be the one to kill him. Why would it be anyone else? You know, like, it's like... It's Remember so how she was a fugitive for, like, this whole season? Yeah, yeah. Be and, like, in suspected of possibly killing... Like, I don't know. It makes me wonder whether, like... It almost makes me feel like they should have brought Tanner back earlier and had her be, like... Because it, it's so clear that this is just Tanner having a vendetta. But I kind of think if Tanner had come back earlier and was, like, trying to pin all the unsolved murders on the liars, that would have been a little bit more interesting. And, like, the Rollins one is just the only one that she can get to stick. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that would have been maybe a little bit more interesting. But whatever. We had to have, you know, Spencer and Marco playing... playing uh, there are there are so many murders. She could have had like one for each of them, basically. Um, I I kept thinking like I wish that this episode had been more rather than being focused on the Rollins thing and then sort of later tying up the Charlotte thing. I wish that this episode had been more like a culmination of all of the crimes the liars have committed coming home to, to roost because later they have that conversation about like, we're finally not going to get out of this one. And the Rollins murder feels so sort of inconsequential in the larger narrative of the series. And also like, it was so clearly like an accident, but you know, there's still the Shauna murder that's unsolved. There's Noel's murder. There's like Sarah's murder that the liars were also sort of involved in. There's like all these different things, Charlotte's murder. And so it, a, like Jenna's blinding, which like maybe they could still be prosecuted for. I don't know. <laughs> um, I wish that it had been a little bit more like 
all of these different things were coming back. But I think that just would have been too much organization for this writer's room. For sure. Yeah. So Prezra is telling Arya that there's nothing keeping them here. Uh, she says that the body is a problem, but not the problem. The problem is that she can't leave her friends. He is quick to call them not her friends, but she says that she made the bad choice. And proving that she's been to uh, some speed therapy, like you said, she says, someone puts you in a box. Some part of you will always be scared and crying, but you can't let that part think for you. Wow, Arya, how evolved we've become in such a short period of time. He decides that it's time to unite the others, but first they have to deal with the matter of the body. Uh, he makes an English joke that I probably would find funny if anyone but him was the one making it. Uh, but lo, outside they discover that Arya's trunk is open and the body is gone. Uh, just as a side note, Prezra is so, so quick to be like, Arya, your friends are not your friends. We're writing them off. Once again, Prezra, uh, finding any excuse to isolate Arya from her community. Yes. Yeah. Also, read his joke. Like, he says, uh, I have a penis. There's nothing I can't handle. Well, for penis, he said masters in American literature. But either way, that was what he meant. Yes. Oh, for sure. For sure. <sighs> so, remember the fake preview for this season? Uh, if you don't, I will recap it for you as Allison writing Mrs. Rollins on the board, the liars running in, bangs, bangs, bangs. He's here. That one? We yep. get it now. With the addition of some green spooky lights and the liars like ineffectually stacking desks against the door and deadpanning how Archer is awfully spry for a dead guy. Allison backs up into a corner and an undead hand crashes through the wall to grab her right before Emily wakes up, I guess because she fell off the couch and onto the floor. She wakes Allison up and Allison has one of the funniest lines of this episode, which is, how did we both fall asleep? <laughs> which like, it's night out. <laughs> You're, you're both really stressed. Like, what if know. you're pregnant? Yeah, like, 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 is just like, gasped. There must have been something that said, like, there was something nefarious at work. But it's just so funny, like, for both of us to have fallen asleep. Oh, my. Um, at any rate, while they were asleep due to the gas leak, uh, the game has now reappeared on Allison's dining room table. It is replaying the video of Teenage Allie at the Kissing Rock telling Ian they don't have a lot of time. This is just kind of one of the moments where the show really seems to want to remind us that if Allison hadn't been such a bad girl, none of all of this would have come to pass, which is not at all true. <laughs> Emily shuts that off and says, that's it, they're getting out of here. Just then, of course, there is a pounding on the door. The girls think it is the police, but then we hear a worse voice, Prezra's, telling them to open the door. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This scene is so stupid. Um, Kelsey was like, during the flashback, she was like, oh, Hannah's hair looks so much better. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's because they filmed this like two years earlier. Like, <laughs> And I had to explain the whole thing to her. And she was like, that's so dumb. Um, I do like the Freddy Krueger style hand busting through the wall and grabbing Allison. Uh, just, you know, just really dumb. Also, she's like writing because 
because the the flash forward had her writing Mrs. Rollins on the board, they're like, ooh, this is a spooky dream. So they have her writing like all of her various names on the board. So we get like Vivian Darkbloom, Allison Fields, Allison De Laurentiis Fields, like all these different names. Also, it's so silly that like this is clearly Allie's dream, but Emily is the one who wakes up from it for some reason. So maybe they think lesbianism is just a shared dream space. Oh, perhaps. Well, I feel like everyone is queerer in the dream space of Pretty Little Liars. So yeah. That's why I call bullshit on this being a dream. This is just bad writing. Yes, yes, absolutely. Also, nobody is concerned about what the gas, uh, inhaling the gas might have done to the baby. Probably because we never find out in this episode that they were caught in a gas leak. This is just like a random thing that happens that's like unrelated. It's like, you know, in a comedy when they'll have like, you know, like maybe the ending tag that's like completely unrelated to the rest of the episode. That's like what this scene is, but jammed into the middle of this episode. Also, I feel like this is Chekhov's gas leak. You can't have the gas leaking and then the house doesn't explode by the end of the episode. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because we know PLL loves an exploding house. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So Spencer and Caleb are walking around the tunnels talking about Mona. Caleb has made a real 180 here. He no longer believes that Mona is AD and now refers to her as poor Mona. She always wanted to be in charge of everything. Ugh, I do not like Caleb pitying Mona. You know who he should give credit for this idea to? His wife, Hannah, who just a little while ago was saying she didn't think Mona was AD. Nope, nope, nothing to do with that. He had to come to his own manly conclusion. Yeah, and he's not going to admit that to Hannah. He's going to admit it to Spencer, which is very interesting. Uh, He also just suddenly announces to Spencer that he and Hannah got married earlier tonight. She says congratulations, and there is more heat between these two than anything between Hannah and Caleb. Uh, He says he wants to apologize, and Spencer tells him to not apologize for them being together or to forget it because she won't. So um, how long until these two are fucking? Oh my gosh. I said it seems like he might be willing to make out with her right now, but certainly in like a few days, months, years, when he has gotten completely contemptuous of Hannah's fashion career again. Like they have bantering instead of bickering. Like yeah. they they seem to have an affection for each other, which although Haleb like just got married and have had like a proposal recently and, and a reunification and everything, like they don't seem to like each other very much. No. No, no, or respect each other or anything. Yeah. 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 I they I I describe Spencer and Caleb here as flirt walking through the rest of the tunnel. And like you pointed out, them being in a tunnel, like it doesn't they don't learn anything from the tunnel. Like it's not it's what if they were walking through the tunnel and they found Alex's like lair that she's made that we'll see in the next episode. Like it seems like the show is so afraid of people figuring out the Alex reveal that suddenly after a few weeks of kind of hinting around that they've completely dropped any information in this episode that could actually link us to Alex, which like it it just makes for an episode of like people doing dumb things like having gas leak dreams and wandering around tunnels well especially because like we don't have much time left like and, and even in this episode the the whole kind of first half of it is the show wasting time yeah yeah exactly and it's what's so funny is like the reveal that we're going to get from mona it doesn't come from any work that the liars have done it literally just comes from like mona having a flashback essentially 
Yeah. In one of the worst places on earth, a getaway car with Prezzer driving, <laughs> Allie and Emily are lamenting that no one else is answering their phones. Emerson apologized to Aria for icing her out, and Allison compares it to something she would have done in high school. Ah, uh, everyone bang your head against the desk. They're blaming Allison again. Um, Aria, you know, CF, her, like, immersion, you know, immersion therapy session that she did with the dead body and or her Glennon Doyle podcast or, I don't know, maybe, like, Dear Sugar that she listened to. It was, like, really, really feeling deep <laughs> in her heart. Um, she says, it's okay. People panic. When people panic, they revert to old behaviors. And uh, everyone kind of, like, looks at her, like... <laughs> like, okay. Like, who are you? And what have you done? Like, Ari, like maybe Arya has been, like, hypnotized by Alex Great or something. Yeah. And, like, that, that's how she got all... But, I mean, she really, like, she literally sounds like someone who has spent, like... I, I don't know. What has she been doing? Has she been, like, watching wellness videos on YouTube? Has she been, like you know, immersed in, like, the self-help section of the brew? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's happening, but... I, I will say, I will say, okay, I will say, like, yes, all of that is true. Like, it is really a random turn. I also do think that there can be some truth, and I'm not really giving the show credit for this. I'm more just, maybe this is Lucy's performance that is selling this for me. I do think there is something about, like, when you are pushed to the brink of doing something... Like, when you are pushed to the brink in a really extreme way, you can sometimes have, like, a moment of clarity, you know? And and I, I mean, I've had, like, much less, ver like, much lesser versions of that in my own life, I would say. And maybe this is just Arya's kind of extreme version of that. Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe, like, when she was being iced out by the liars and when she had the dead body bumping around in her trunk, she had, like, her life flash before her eyes. And she sure. Saw, like... The error of her previous ways of thinking. Um, but they are coming upon a checkpoint. The mayor may not have anything to do with them, but President does not want to take the chance and backs his car out of the line. I like the implication that this checkpoint has nothing to do with the liars and is like a pedophile checkpoint. And President's <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Hannah is on her phone wandering around uh, under the church. She mutters something about, like, how I hate you. And it's unclear if she's talking to her phone or to Caleb. Uh, when suddenly rose petals start raining down upon her. Yes. Uh, back in the catacombs, Spencer and Caleb have no cell service and are not sure which passageway to take. Yes. Uh, then we go back to the church where Hannah is climbing the bell tower to find Mona there in full on nerdy Mona attire. When Hannah asks what Mona is doing here, Mona says that she is waiting for Charlotte, clearly, clearly confusing Hannah for Charlotte in this moment. And Hannah quickly pieces together that Mona is talking about the night that Charlotte died, which leads us into a flashback. It is truly a measure of how far gone Mona is that she does not recognize Hannah as Hannah. Hannah yes. is Mona's North Star. Oh my yes. gosh, that breaks my heart. Absolutely. So in the flashback, Charlotte is dressed in a very queer look that is mainly denim. 
Uh, she is lightly taunting Mona for bringing her flowers. Mona says she's here to see if they have anything to worry about. For five years, Charlotte has played everyone, all the doctors, her lawyers, the court, her own sister, but she does not fool Mona. She is not going to start hurting people again. Who's going to stop her, Charlotte asks. Mona declares that she will. Charlotte taunts her, saying she's not sure who she sees when she looks in the mirror, and that Charlotte did that. She stole Mona's certainty, her identity, the game, and she'll do it all again. Everything that happened before will look like a picnic. She opens the shutters of the window. Mona threatens her with a rusty screwdriver and tries to get Charlotte to jump. I... I do not like anything at all about this scene. I mean, I love that Vanessa Ray is back. I love seeing Charlotte. But I think that there is absolutely no need to revilify Charlotte in this way. Um, yeah. And I also feel like um, like this, this whole arc that we're going to get here um, is like additionally cruel. The, the message that it ultimately sends is that Charlotte's death is not a crime because Charlotte was a bad person. Um, yeah. and, and that we actually, and, and that's like, you know, th there's been so much like by this time in the show, like there had been so much, uh, talk about like the, the choices that the show made regarding like the transphobic way that it treated Charlotte, the way it took a plot line, the way it immediately killed her. Now it just feels like the show is like, well, all the viewers that we have left don't care about any of that. So here we go. We're going to revilify her. We're going to like just you know mental illness is is being treated um like the end all and be all of who you are it's all charlotte yeah. is it's all mona is here yeah um and it's really problematic especially the way that she is trying to get charlotte to kill herself um really really rough choice yeah i i completely agree i hate everything about this um also, like, these two would be unstoppable if they would team up. Yeah. Uh, but I just think, like, the way that, yeah, the way that it's playing around with, like, suicide, the way that it's playing around with mental illness, like you said, I also really struggle with the choice to have Mona be the one responsible for this crime because Mona is, like, one of the one of the characters that like queer audiences really connected to. And I think people saw a lot of themselves in and saw just a lot of, you know, even though the show was always so cagey about Mona's queerness, like there's something so undeniably queer about Mona. And, you know, she was always a really beloved, you know, she's the Vander Jesus, right? She's really beloved for queer fans. And so I think ha having it be this thing where it's like, well, you have to be okay with the fact that, Charlotte was killed because Mona was the one who did it. Like, it's just, it, it, it's pitting the queer characters against one another in this way that I really, really hate. Um, it's also, you know, just kind of, it, it, it's very much not having any compassion for Charlotte while asking us to have compassion for Mona for like different, obviously, but similar things. And it's, I, I just really I just really have a problem with it. And I think that it doesn't serve either of these characters at all. Uh, and then I also think that this episode has the same problem that the uh, Charlotte Reveal episode had 
in that the liars are just sort of sitting around hearing a story. Uh, they don't really get to be active participants in figuring all of this out. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with all of that. Um, also, it's just, it's not a very satisfying conclusion to have it be Mona. Like, it, it's hard to, it's hard yeah. to make this feel surprising when we knew that Mona was at the Two Crows, when, like, Mona always, like, Mona always has looked pretty good for this. Like, is the surprise that Mona herself didn't remember that she did it? Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't love it. Also, don't forget that the show does take a second to throw some blame on Allison here. Mona says that uh, she couldn't visit Charlotte. Allison wouldn't let her, uh, which is just like, why? Why are you, what are you up to here? Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I I really, the only thing I will say is, yeah, both of them have great outfits in this scene. <laughs> Back in the present moment, Mona is about to throw Hannah out the window when Caleb and Spencer, like, rush in to the rescue. Uh, Mona herself has regressed into the safety of, like, high school, you know, Allison would have called her loser Mona, and Mona killed Charlotte, Hannah gasps. Um you know, there will be obviously more to this reveal later in the episode, but I've got to say, if they only had Vanessa Ray for a limited time, they could have done something so much better with it. Like, have her come back alive and save them all, for example. My goodness. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really an odd choice of, like, how to use this character, for sure. But they've kind of been doing that the whole time, job. Every time she's come back, it's kind of been, like, a weird, like bringing her back for this scene i don't know they just they i think they just so did not know what to do with charlotte and were so not anticipating the level of backlash that they were just kind of like well we're just gonna wrap this up real quick well and it's it's extremely evident by just like the sloppiness and the laziness of all of this that they did not know who murdered charlotte when they killed her like they had oh, not thousand like, percent. They they did not have like an end point for that in mind. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, and it's I think yeah, it's been clear for some time that the show is constantly setting up mysteries that it has no idea of what the ending is going to be. Yeah. And yeah. and like I'm not saying like I, I'm not saying that it should always do, but like let's say the show I, I think in the early days the show would sometimes be writing knowing that it could be heading to like one of three potential conclusions and sure. it just had to kind of pick which one it wanted. Here, it's writing to no conclusions. <laughs> like it's writing to no conclusions except whatever you make up when you draw the short straw and get the episode that has to like make the reveal of this final answer. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so outside the bell tower, Hannah sweetly has an arm around Mona as they encounter the last puzzle pieces hanging off of the car. Mona says that she loves puzzles. I feel like Janelle just breaks my heart in this episode. She says it so innocently because she's, yeah. she's in a place like she's Mona before, like before everything happened to her. So she's just like. It's just sweet. It's just this sweet innocence of, oh, I love puzzles. Also, Hannah kind of seems like maybe Spencer can have Caleb now and she'll just devote herself to Mona, which honestly, fine by me. Hannah is like, I do think that there's a, a great thing of Hannah being kind of quietly devastated for the rest of this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
at Rosewood Fugitive Headquarters, aka the Lost Woods, everyone is arguing about what to do with Mona. Uh, her mental break has made Spencer infinitely more sympathetic to her, um, whether that is because of Spen Spencer's own history with mental illness, um, whether because Spencer has long harbored regret about the way that she treated people in high school, um, you know, where, wherever that's coming from, um, Spencer, like, really, really has done uh, a big turnaround. She says that they cannot take her to the police uh, when she's like this. Prezra is totally in favor of just turning Mona in because he's an asshole. Um, the Monas do, the liars do leave Mona under the watch of Caleb and Prezra. Uh, that's a terrible choice. Uh, as the rest of them go into room one, which is like transformed into, I guess, the liar clubhouse to put in the last puzzle pieces. Yeah, there's there's yet another moment of blaming Allison here because Spencer makes a remark about like, oh, Mona's gone back to a safe place before you destroyed her or whatever she says yep. to Allison. Uh, then this is the scene where Aria has the idea about involving Dr. Sullivan, which seems like yep. such a weird, dumb idea. Like we haven't seen Dr. Sullivan in ages, but Spencer's like, yep, makes sense. I think that's a great idea, Aria. And it's like one of those things where because another character has co-signed it, us as the audience has to just be like, sure, that makes sense. I, I, I forgot that she did that. When I when I first saw that in this episode, I was like, oh, was it like a podcast that Dr. Sullivan was on? And Aria listened to like, is, is that where all of this growth has come from? It had to be from somewhere. It would be really funny if Arya dropped the line. Like, if Arya brought up Dr. Sullivan and they were all like, why are you bringing her up? And Arya was like, oh, I've been seeing her twice a week for the last, like, six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in the other room, the liars put the finishing piece into the puzzle with Spencer weirdly explaining that we just got the pieces to finish the puzzle, which we just saw. Uh, and then we get some more hats because the phone chimes with a note about the body. That no, no, no. They have to take a picture of the completed puzzle with the phone. Okay, they have to take a picture of the completed puzzle with the phone and then hold and then they get a note about the body and they hold the phone up to the eyes on oh my god, on the puzzle and that shows them an image of a little tiny person walking across the the puzzle uh who uh, Spencer explains that this is augmented reality to the mystery location which pops up and the mystery location is Aunt Carol's. Uh, and the liars question, where would you hide a body there? I question, why are we going through all these hoops? Oh, my God. What I would not have given just for a text that said, go to Aunt Carol's. Like, oh, my God. I know. This is truly next level, especially the way the little, like, cartoon shadowy figure, like, tiptoes it's like a tiptoe yeah. through the tulips type of tiptoeing uh Absolutely. and that they're going to the mystery location and then the mystery location has to reveal itself uh to be aunt carol's and i love <laughs> i love the way that like the show like doesn't even trust that all of us have been paying attention thinking that any of this is going to mean something for seven seasons and they actually have allison say aunt carol my Aunt Carol? Oh, my Just God. So... 
Yes, your Aunt Carol, Allie. Your Aunt Carol. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, so the liars uh, have decided that this is taking them to the, the body. Like, that's, that's yes. their decision. They've decided, like, Tanner has some evidence. She doesn't have the body. What a weird idea. I mean, I know don't think about it too long, but the liars had buried the body once. And even if they find the body, AD still has that video of them digging up the body previously. It does not seem like a great prize is what I'm saying. No, it does not. I would agree with you there. Oh, look. A visual dead naming and misgendering via fake gravestone. How exciting. To J.K. Rowling write this episode. Um, the liars are prepared to dig up the body when therapy aria stops them. Her, again, like, just, she is like, like, it's similar to in the cartoons when Popeye eats the can of spinach and then gets really, really muscly. Like, Arya ate some therapy spinach and now she is just like, she is just like bulging with processing muscles. Um, she is, she is all about it. Um, she points out that she does not want to do this anymore. If they want to break out of a pattern, they can't keep repeating it. Um, the other liars are sure that they need to dig up this grave. And like their their logic is so silly. It's like, we need to dig up this grave to make sure Archer is really down there. And then Allison, who the show has been trying to poop on all episode, asks a really great question of like, well, what if he isn't? And they're like, oh, that's right. This does seem kind of endless, isn't it? Um, so they kind of do stop and realize that this is a feedback loop and one by one the liars agree to walk away um spencer is the last one at the grave she tells him to rest in peace but in latin like okay i would not really say rest in peace here i would say rotten hell but you know your mileage your mileage may vary yeah i i do i do like this moment even if aria is kind of um not perhaps making a ton of sense. Uh, I mean, she's making sense just in terms of like for for what this character has been through. Um, but I specifically like Hannah's mention that if they don't stop doing this, they're going to end up like Mona. Um, mm-hmm. It also feels very fitting to me that Emily is the last to walk away because Emily is like kind of she'll cling to the thing that makes the least amount of sense and requires the least amount of change from her. Um, and then, of course, the liars are startled by the bulldozer rumbling through the grass. I for I re- misremembered this. I thought that Tanner was actually driving the bulldozer, <laughs> which <laughs> I kind of wish she, she was. Is. Or she yes. was like riding. She was like yes. riding in like the <laughs> yeah, like back. She's like playing electric guitar up there. Uh, <laughs> But no, she like, she, somebody else is driving the bulldozer, but like the full force of the Rosewood PD, including Tanner, emerge from the shadows and Tanner with just the biggest cat ate the canary grin says, you ladies need any help? (laughs) Yeah, she like polishes off all of Aunt Carol's house in her line delivery there. 
Well, my next my next line of my notes is Spencer is staring at the one wall that Tanner hasn't eaten. <laughs> oh my god, one hundred thousand percent. Um, I I really like this. Um, I really like this scene a lot. I like that the liars decide of their own accord to walk away, and there's going to be a lot of talk about like. Do the liars win the game? At what point is the game won or not won? And I actually think, like, <clears throat> this is the moment of winning. Not necessarily, like, the stupid liars win that game, but, like, the liars choosing to, like, empower themselves regarding their own actions and consequences and future. Like, this yeah. is actually a giant step for every liar's, every liar's growth. Um, and I, I think that that is a big, big moment. And also the way that like they make this decision. And then what's the next thing that happens? The same thing that always does. The police show up one like the police are always gonna want to hold them accountable regardless of anything else, regardless of AD, regardless of, you know, regardless of anything. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think it also like Tanner Tanner's sort of doggedness in this episode and the way that she just shows up like this, it's like, you know, I think so much of of the next scenes that we're going to talk about is like, do you ever think about when you became the thing that you're afraid of? Like, that's kind of what what the show, the question that is reverberating around. Um, and I feel like that's kind of happening with Tanner a little bit in that, like, Tanner has essentially become as obsessed with the liars as AD is, right? Like, to the point where it's almost like, could Tanner be the one setting them up here? Because like, she's so determined to get them on something the way that AD is too. And it's sort of the liars recognizing like, maybe we just stop. Maybe we just stop playing this game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the station, the liars are again, hanging out in front of the mugshot board and concerned that their men folk will be worried about their absence and might start looking for them. Uh, the liars are not sure what to do, and Spencer this time says they should tell the truth. How will that get them off? It won't, she replies. But, like, honestly, it might. He was trying to kill Allison, and it was an accident. But anyway, yeah. they talk about getting mercy as a result of Mona? Huh? Uh, Tanner comes in and tells them the body at the farm has been identified as Archer Dunhill, and to make themselves comfortable in this room that has no chairs because there's something she needs to do. Yeah, I I really like the the resignation here um from Spencer. I think it's I think it we sort of see this scene through Spencer's eyes and um and I also like the scene, the line about you know the police aren't interested in mercy, they want justice. Um because I think that's a question at the core of this here. Yeah, I definitely agree. Also, like, I know, I know, I know the show doesn't want us to think about it. But like, let's say, let's say they told the police exactly what happened. Sure. I'm sure that the Rosewood cops would be on everybody for being involved in the cover up or whatever. But like, Hannah ran him over and it was an accident. Like, I, like, how is Aria, who was a passenger in the car, going to be like going down for this murder you know like don't I don't guess, think about it too hard don't you know don't expect it to make any kind of sense 
I guess the idea is that the cover-up is what they'd all be going to jail for. But, like, based on the way that they've been treated by the police in the past, like, of course they would want to cover it up. I don't know. I just... And yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it's definitely a don't think about it too hard. Yeah. One, 100%. Um, so on the other side of the wall, Spencer or Tanner walks into an interrogation room that the liars can see into where Mary Drake is sitting. It's like this weird, like very brightly lit, very clean room and the liars can see her, but she can't see them. Uh, Mary is here to go over the details of her statement, her statement that she killed Dunhill. In a measured tone, she confesses to his murder, as well as the murder of Jessica, saying that he used that to manipulate her. The liars watch in horror, um, especially when Mary suggests that they figured out that it was her, and that is, in fact, uh, why they were at the grave tonight. Yeah, um, one thing that happens here is that uh, when Mary confesses to murdering Jessica, Allison looks very torn up, like maybe she hasn't heard this before, which is really like one of the things that I think falls short in this episode is like Hannah never told Spencer that she married Caleb. Hannah has not even told Emily, just yeah. for Emily, that she married <laughs> Caleb. Um, and, and like, we don't think that Spencer has told Allison about Peter and, you know, Jessica trying to kill Mary and then Mary killing sure. Jessica, like, it's just, it just seems like these are conversations we should have gotten to see the liars have with one another. I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like Tanner overall seems pretty thrilled about this two for the price of one confession. Um, and as Mary's going to review and sign her statement, Tanner comes in to tell the liars they are free to go and she is sorry for any inconvenience. The liars, for whatever reason, do not immediately run the fuck out of the station, which is like the number one thing you should do when Tanner finally says you can go. Uh, they hang around to ask a bunch of questions about like what Tanner believes and why she suddenly thinks they're not guilty. And like the way that they're doing this, they're <laughs> it's, it's basically like, wait, what? You think we didn't? kill anyone are you sure are you sure we didn't kill anyone we might have killed someone i mean you can tell us if you think that we killed anyone it's it's a bonkers way to interact with the police detective who has wanted to convict you for anything for a really long time um at any rate she says there's a difference between what she thinks and what she can prove also the district attorney is a simple man and he likes easy cases drawn in bold lines mary drake gives them that and Tanner thinks her statement is full of credible details and that she did for sure kill her sister. There's like this unnamed accomplice that kind of floats around uh, that we don't like really hear more about. We know of course it's going to be Alex Drake but Mary declines to name them. The liars prepare to leave but Spencer wants to talk to Mary Drake. Tanner says it'll be better if she doesn't and then Aria quietly says like she did this for you. Don't make her explain. Mary is let out in handcuffs and she gives Spencer the shush sign as she's walking away. Um, Spencer has tears in her eyes and, oh man, let me just say, this is where Mary Drake proves that her love for Spencer is equal to Ashley's love for Hannah. Like mm -hmm. this is a Marin family move. You all wanna go to jail for one another. Um, she's doing what she said she wanted to do. She's giving Spencer 
a life, a life outside of jail. And she's doing something that the Hastings would never, ever do. She is putting herself in the line of fire instead. Uh, and yeah. She's not just doing it for Spencer. She is exonerating all of the liars, every one of them. The Hastings would send all the rest of the liars to jail if it meant sparing Spencer. Mary Drake will not. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, I really loved that scene with Tanner when they're all hanging around. Like, even though I know it's, like, kind of nonsensical that they're just in there, I there's something about it where it feels like, you know, Tanner is this person who they have been playing sort of cat and mouse with ever since she showed up on the show. And there's something, like, this is the the realest that any of them have ever been with her. And I just... I really liked this scene. I really liked when Tanner said to them, you know, go home. You're not criminals. Not really try and remember that. Like, I feel like this is where I wish the time jump, like this is like the murky space that I wish the time jump had really explored of like, what does it mean when you've kind of lived so many of your formative years, like a criminal, like you're on the run and then you just have to live a life. What does that look like? Um, and this is also where I wish that Tanner had been around more because I think that it's that storyline is more impactful when you have this older, specifically female detective who's known these characters since they were teenagers. Um, I just, I really like it. I think Tanner does a great job. I love, she has just some great deliveries in this scene when she's talking about uh, Mary's confession and she says, and she confessed to killing her own sister. It's very fun. You know, and when she asks the liars directly, you haven't done anything wrong, have you? Um, and, and I just, I like the way that she's kind of saying to them, like, I do believe you're guilty of something. I know you're guilty of something, but I can't prove it. And there's almost a way in which like how Aria kind of said earlier, like, I'm done, I'm out, I'm letting this go. This is kind of Tanner's version of that. Yes. Oh my God. She was listening to Glennon Doyle as well. She must have been. Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I think everything you said is true. And when I talked about the way that the liar's personal growth has been held back because the show never lets them like deviate too much from the OTP relationships, um, I feel like this is as close as we get to the breakup of an OTP. Tanner is breaking up with the liars. And yeah. it's, very, it's very much a situation of if I am not this person that I've always seen myself as in your eyes, who am I? Like, yeah. who am I outside of this like defining situation in my life that has been there through all of these formative years? Um, so I like that. I like that as like a breakup scene between Tanner and the PLLs. I agree. And also, you know, Charlotte had that line in the scene with Mona about how like none of them, when they look in the mirror, none of them know who they are anymore and how she did that. And I feel like in this scene a little bit, Tanner is saying, I am absolving you of looking in the mirror and seeing a criminal. You have to figure out who you see if you're not seeing a criminal in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so back at the Lost Woods, Spencer leans down beside Mona and oh so gently tells her that Dr. Sullivan will be her soon and that she's going to be okay. I uh, really love this gentle side from Spencer. I also think that Spencer probably sees a lot of Mary Drake in Mona, um, which might be part of this as well. Uh, Hannah apologizes for drawing Mona into the game and Mona has an absolutely devastating line where she says, 
but you needed me. You don't know what that felt like. She apologizes for messing up Charlotte's murder, saying that nothing ever happens the way that it's supposed to with her. And we go into another flashback. Yes, we pick up where we left off. Mona is holding Charlotte with a rusty screwdriver to her back uh, at the window. She's taunting her about having nothing left. Charlotte says please and asks Mona to let her go. Uh, Mona taunts her some more, then releases her, flinging Charlotte to the ground. Charlotte laughs and says she knew that Mona didn't have the guts. She then attacks Mona by hitting her with like a loose board full of nails that was on the floor. Uh, Mona strikes back. They fight. Charlotte tells Mona, they will never love you. They, spelled H-A-M-N-A, for all of us at home. Uh, she tries to strangle Mona, and Mona shoves her off, and Charlotte falls back against the wall and then slips down to the floor, dead. There is a mark on the back of her neck, and when Mona looks, she sees that Charlotte had her neck broken by an exposed piece of metal. It's just like a like a pubbin, a piece of like loose metal that's just sticking out of the wall. Uh, she kneels beside Charlotte with the flowers in her hands. Yeah, LOL at the police not being able to identify this like seemingly fairly normal object. Like when Tanner was like, it was sharp with metal at the end. Like that, the whole like <laughs> extremely specific, extremely non-specific murder weapon. Um, yeah, so Mona explains that the murder weapon was right there all the time. And then like we have this funny shot where it is suddenly morning uh, in, in this room. The room is flooded with light. The game wishes the liars congratulations and words to sleep. Uh, Spencer says, it's dead. Um, and the question who won the game, Mona did, Hannah says. Who is it? Who is AD? They don't know, but Spencer says that AD has no more leverage over them. Uh, they ask if she's sure about that. And Spencer says she isn't sure about anything. No, that's not true. She's sure about all of them. It is a lovely moment. The liars file out of the Lost Woods as the song Without You starts to play. I really love, there's just a, the smallest of looks that's exchanged between Spencer and Aria that is just so lovely as like, because yeah. like we saw Emerson kind of making up with her. Hannah's been like too busy looking after Mona to really care about being mad about Aria's betrayal. Um, but Spencer, who was so upset about it, like, they don't have like a big apology scene. It's just like she looks at Aria here when she's saying she's sure of all of them. And Aria looks back and we just know that things are good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, next, we see the not well-crafted game pieces. They're in a plastic bag riding shotgun in a better getaway car. This one being driven by an unknown hooded figure wearing gloves. AD drives off into the blazing sun, and that is the end of the episode. So I want to talk a little bit about would this have been a more satisfying ending? And not only more satisfying, but like, what do you feel is the thesis statement of the show based on the way this episode ends? And how do you feel like the eventual finale changes that and I know these are all big questions so maybe we can just talk through them together <laughs> they are big questions but I think if that if the series ended here 
the message would be it's not about ad like yeah it, it doesn't matter ad doesn't matter like that is like the final victory of the liars would be saying like it doesn't even matter who ad is we're going to get on with the rest of our lives and we are going to like live them as we see fit outside of this control um so i feel like if if we never knew who ad was it would center the liars in a way that the eventual conclusion doesn't and i feel like um you know, you're never going to be able to write a solution to the mystery that is satisfying at this point. You're just not. So I feel like having AD remain unknown, it would let it would let all of the fans continue to like, we could still think it was Prezra all along. We could still <laughs> think it was like, it would just like, it would, for, for all the show has been about fan service, I think the best service they could have done was to just kind of leave it open and let everybody think that their favorite theory could still be true. I agree. I mean, I think the fans would have rioted, but I also think that it would have been really effective. I think that like where this leads is like, like it's kind of this interesting thing where like AD gets their happy ending too, which is to not be known. And, and we kind of it's almost as though you know if ad is like the voyeur to the liars we're sort of the voyeur to ad and as ad's voyeurism of the liars ends, so does our voyeurism towards ad in a sense um i think that i really love this i don't think this would have been an amazing season finale but there is something that i really like about the simplicity of just the liars in the room together in the lost woods where this sort of all started in a sense you know, um, saying that Mona has won the game and filing out, you know, to be, to be together. And, and the next episode is going to spend so much time sort of just hammering in the futures of these characters. And I, I sort of like, there's a softness to the end of this episode that I, that I like, it's a softer touch than what we ultimately get. The end of this episode it is a point where anything can still happen. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, and I, I think that that's a better place to leave the liars than, than what we eventually, uh, what we eventually see from the finale. Also, I had a lot of like, at the time that I was watching this originally, like I was just like, I, I was in dread of the finale, like not even cause it was going to be the end of the show, but just like, in dread of like oh my god like they had already done so much they'd already like made so many bad choices around charlotte and everything that i was just like oh my gosh what 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 fresh hell is in store Mm -hmm. for us next week uh so i felt like this episode like this episode ending like did not fill me with dread this episode ending made me feel like well everyone you know maybe everyone can get a little bit of peace yeah it feels it it feels peaceful and i like that it's the liars all kind of going off in the same direction here versus the finale which is like them all kind of going off in different directions yeah 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 do we have more that we want to say about 
farewell my lovelies well what are what are your thoughts on the things that you asked like what is the thesis statement if this is the final episode like how do you feel about this episode knowing what the final episode has in store etc yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you that the the ultimate that the thesis statement here is sort of that AD doesn't matter. It's the liars that matter. I think that that is what this episode is kind of communicating. I also think that there's an uh, both with Tanner kind of having to give up, uh, you know, getting the liars like arresting the liars and the audience not finding out AD. I also think there's something here that's like some mysteries aren't meant to be solved. Yeah. Uh, which is sort of goes back to like, you know, alleys, like people don't want the truth. The truth is slippery, um, all of that stuff. Uh, but I think it's sort of the other side of that, which is a, a almost gentler approach to that same idea of like sometimes sometimes you just have to let things go. Sometimes you just have to have to move on. And I actually think, you know, you often talk about the way that PLL sort of operated as a really lovely instruction manual in how to deal with your friend when they come out to you in the Hannah Emily plot in season one. And I sort of think that there's a way in which they could have, this could have been an opportunity to sort of model for the audience. This is how you let go. This is how you deal with something unsatisfying. This is how you choose to move on with your life and be the bigger person. Um, and instead <laughs> we get the finale, which I, I remember kind of uniformly hating probably <laughs> there'll be things in there that I do like that I have forgotten about. And it's, it's just, you know, the Alex Drake of it all sort of has taken over all of my brain space about that episode. But I think that, um, you know, it wouldn't have gone down as a great series finale, but I don't think it would have gone down as like one of the worst series finales, which I, I think is kind of the status it holds now. I am really interested. We talked about uh, cousin uh, cousin Linden syndrome, uh, which is like, uh, or no, cousin Nate, cousin Nate, syndrome, cousin Nate, aka aka his name is Linden. Linden um, James. <laughs> we talked about how, like, when we were thinking about how much of that season he was in, we felt like it was like every episode, half the episode, the whole episode, and then he actually like was not around that much, but he was so awful. I'm really curious to see, like, for how many minutes of the finale does Alex Drake exist? Because if you ask me right now, I would say every minute. She's in every minute of it, and she's talking in that accent the whole time. And I know, <laughs> like, I, like, part of my rational brain knows that can't be true. But I'm, I'm very curious to see, um, to see, like, how much is she actually in it? Yeah, I I am as well. It'll be an interesting ride. Um, yeah, my memory is just her that accent and the Eternity Stone, and you know her <laughs> leaning in chairs. How many minutes do you think she's in the finale? Oh, okay. Are we gonna do? Are we gonna do like a Price Is Right kind of thing here? Well, uh, I mean, you you know that I'm wrong because like my guess is like out of 120 minutes, 200. Like that is my, <laughs> that is my feeling about how much Alex Drake is in the finale. And we know that that probably cannot be right. Well, it's probably about like a, with commercials and everything, it's probably about what, like a 60, 62 minute episode, something like that. Um, I'm going to guess that she is in 24. 24 um, minutes. Okay. 24 minutes. That's okay. going to be my guess. That still oh. might be high. I don't know. We'll see. I also like like let's say let's say that the series had like a super satisfying conclusion in the final episode 
I, I'm not sure, like, what, what would a satisfying conclusion look like after all of this? I, I'm not sure. But, like, if it had a really satisfying conclusion, I might feel differently about this episode. But it doesn't. It has, like, a goofy Cockney accent twin conclusion, um, which I just feel like um, kind of, it, it, it kind of just, it kind of debases uh, what, what the show like was at its best in my opinion yeah yeah i i would agree with you there i would agree with you there yeah it is hard i mean and and as we're watching the episode the final episode maybe we'll come up with like this is oh if they had made this choice this would have been more satisfying or whatever i mean already we've done a lot of story editing you know for for this episode but um yeah should we leave this here and then we'll we'll get out our many finale thoughts in in our next episode i think we should okay if, if our listeners have thoughts about how much Alex Drake they feel like is in the finale, our guesses currently range from Venus of 24 to mine of 200 minutes. So please, uh, please feel free to share your own guesses with us as we, as we proceed into the great unknown. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. You can, of course, send us an email at everybodyapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also check out our Instagram at everybodyapodcast. You can check out our Spotify, Everybody A, Everybody Gay. Uh, and you can leave a rating and review on iTunes. We would appreciate it. Our next episode is the series finale of Pretty Little Liars. Cannot believe it. I cannot believe we are there. Like when we started talking about doing this podcast, it just seemed like oh, that's going to be like a really long-term project. Like it's going to be years until we finish it. Here we are these years later, years yeah. later. It's happened. We're here. Yeah. We, arrived. we have arrived. Oh, uh, weird so, thing about time. I know, I know. So yeah. And you know, if you have finale thoughts that you want to share with us that you'd like us to read out on the episode, you can of course uh, yeah. get with us between now and, and when we record. So, all right. Until next time, take care.